0: Shana Tova. Shana Tova. A good Yantiv, A good in Chodesh. Chodesh Tov. But most importantly, Rosh Hashanah, Shana Tova. Of course, tonight is not Rosh Hashana, so we will not be singing. Da da. Right. one second. La 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 la, One Right, none of that. That's not it. Off, 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 off. It is Rosh Hashanah, in a way. Though it isn't the Rosh Hashanah that you are familiar with, the first Mishnah in Masechet, Rosh Hashanah, the first Mishnah of... The tractate that deals with Rosh Hashanah says, Rosh there are four Rosh Hashanahs. Look what you learned. Rosh Hashanah, There is the Rosh Hashanah that we know that takes place. And then there is this Rosh Hashanah. That tonight, Rosh Chodesh Shvat, the first day of the month of Shvat, is enumerated in the Mishnah, in the corpus of Jewish law, as the beginning of a new year. Essentially, as Rabbi Jill Hammer writes in her beautiful book, The Book of Days, years, the trees are turning a year older. Every tree turned a year older. It was a tax cutoff point. Right? It was a legal term. So this is the Rosh Hashanah of sorts for trees. The one that we're familiar with, Tubishvat, will take place in two weeks. That is the majority opinion, according to the House of Hillel. There was, though, the minority opinion, that famous foil of the House of Hillel called the House of Shammai. Beit Shammai said that Rosh Hashanah for trees, the New Year for trees, begins tonight, on the first day of the month of Shvat what is at the core of their disagreement? What's at the root, so to speak, of... Thank you. (laughs) The root issue. What's at stake? Let's put it that way. So according to the rabbis, something essential is happening. The House of Hillel says that when... The blooms, where the blossoms, the tree buds, actually come out. And we know that famous song, Ashkediyaporachat, right? When the Ashkadiya Porachat, right? So when, when the buds come out, right? When the buds appear, when there's life that you can see with your eye, which according to the Zohar, the Holy Book of the Zohar says, is the Alma de Isgalya, the revealed world. When you can see something, that's when you celebrate it. Celebrating the buds as they appear. And Beit Shammai says something completely different. Beit Shammai says that we begin to honor the trees not from when they bloom, but from the moment the sap begins to rise in the tree. The moment the sap begins to rise in the tree is the sign, the signal to us That winter is almost over. The life of the tree is returning. And for that reason, Beit Shammai says, we are to honor that day as Rosh Hashanah. Carolus Linnaeus, an 18th century Swedish botanist, became so enamored with the rhythmicity in plants that he grew a garden that could tell time. He grew a garden that could tell time. He planted flowers that opened or closed their blossoms in an hour apart. From morning to evening throughout the day. From morning to evening throughout the day. All life vibrates to this inner music. The daily rhythms of many living things approximate a 24-hour cycle, even when isolated in a laboratory. These circadian rhythms, circadian from circa, meaning about, and ds, daily, these daily rhythms, they live deep in our bodies. They're nearly impervious to alteration and refuse to be extinguished. In normal daylight, mice in laboratories begin running on an exercise wheel about dusk. They run intermittently through the night and sleep during the day. But even when their cages are kept artificially dark for long periods, the mice maintain this circadian rhythm, for several weeks. These rhythms will entrain, fancy word for adjust, to an artificial light-dark cycle, but only if it does not deviate drastically from a 24-hour cycle. A test animal exposed to 11 hours of light and then 11 hours of dark will gradually entrain or adjust to a 22-hour cycle. But if exposed to 13 hours each, 26-hour cycle also, Go too far, the natural cycle will return. We are hardwired with these rhythms. We are hardwired with these rhythms. Everything in us will return to its original place. It doesn't matter. You can alter the environment. You can change it around. You can buy one of those day lamps we have, a couple in the office. You can work on your seasonal affect disorder. Each and every one of us has an inner rhythm that is true. And you know how it's true? No matter how we manipulate or are manipulated by external reality, the changes in the light, the hours of sleep we get, changes in our nutrition, even under the most constant laboratory conditions, no organism can ever be completely entrained away from its true inner rhythm. No organism can ever be truly entrained away from its true inner rhythm. No soul can ever be entrained away from its true inner rhythm. And the soul's condition is freedom. The soul's condition is freedom. And so if you create conditions... You take a people and you bring them down to Egypt and you stick them there for 400 years, 210 years, it doesn't matter how long. In the darkest winter of the world, in the deepest despair, and you teach it slavery, you teach it despair, you teach it hopelessness. At some point, at some point the soul will say, this isn't true to me. This isn't who I am. But you can be so gone. We can be so gone from away, away from our true inner rhythm. We can be so in the dark. We can be so exiled. There can be a galus adibor, or a galus adas. There can be an exile of speech, an exile of knowledge, of wisdom. We can be so disassociated from who we really are that we can live that way for a while. We can live... In a rhythm that isn't our own, we can dance to a song that isn't our song, we can find a way to sleep in somebody else's life and not even recognize ourselves. The condition for returning to who we are is we need to have the space, the rest, to refind our own rhythm. Without rest, without being able to say no, we can't say yes. Without being able to put aside and make space for, we can't find space in. If we don't know the essence that all things in life must go through a period of dormancy, of quiescence, of quiet, so they can be reborn. If we don't get enough sleep... If we don't have Shabbat, then we can be completely famished. <laughs> and by that I mean fablungeent. <laughs> We're blessed with these inner rhythms that tell us where we are and where we are going. No matter then, it shouldn't be a wonder to each of you who are sitting here exhausted, of course, not because of my words but Because of the 50 to 60 hour work weeks, the refusal to stop for lunch, the bypassing of sleep and working deep into the darkness. If we stop, if we return to rest, our natural state will reassert itself guaranteed. Our natural wisdom and balance come to our aid, and we can find our way to what is good, necessary, and true. We cannot be permanently entrained away. Shabbat brings us back. It shouldn't surprise you then that in this week's Torah reading, as we continue in the readings of redemption, as Moses comes to the people, he has a predicament. Last week, he went to visit with Pharaoh and things got worse. And Moses comes to God and says, God, you're some help. May Azbati the Paro, the Daber from the moment I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, things have only gotten worse. you haven't saved your people, says Moshe Rabbeinu. And you know what? God answers him this week in the beginning of Parshat Ba'ira. God says to him, You know what? Go back to the Jewish people. I have news. Tell them, one, I will take you out two, I will take you out three, I will save you four, you will be redeemed five, I will bring you the five or four or five, let's show note, the four languages of redemption on which we ground our Seder every year, four cups, each one corresponding to one of those languages of redemption. God gives them a whole spiel. Moses, go back and tell them, hey guys, it's done. I'm here, Hello. Moses comes to the Jewish people, the ones who threw, threw him out a week before, and says, hey, here's the plan. See, you go this way, and I'll go this way. No, here, four languages. And the first verse, the people say, the Torah says, And Moses came and spoke to them all of the words of peace, of redemption, the promise of liberation, the promise of the end of suffering, Velosha and they couldn't hear him. Because they couldn't catch their breath. And they were overworked. They couldn't hear. They couldn't hear the sap rising. They couldn't hear the promise beginning. They couldn't hear the things were coming that were going to save them. They couldn't take it in. How many times in our lives are we so exhausted... Emotionally, physically, spiritually maybe. That we don't recognize the blessing that is right in front of us. We can go to therapy, talk to our therapist about all the things that are missing in our life. And if it's a good therapist, maybe she'll say, but wait a second. Maybe you should take a nap. (laughs) Maybe you need to rest. Maybe all of this story that you have woven is itself spun from your exhaustion and from your inability to stop and see. There are buds that haven't yet bloomed, but the sap is rising. Can you celebrate the beginning of it? It's dormant. It's underneath the ground. But maybe you're too tired. Maybe your eyes are too weary. Maybe you're looking for the blossoms that are coming in two weeks, so you're not going to celebrate the sap. The only other place in the Torah where the first day of this month appears is in the book of Deuteronomy. In the beginning of that book, the scene is very clear. Moses is standing with the Jewish people. Third verse, book of Deuteronomy 1-3. It was on the first day of the 11th month of the year And Moses began to teach the Torah, and what would ensue would be Moses' wisdom given over to the people of Israel as they would enter into the land that he himself would not go to. The first day of the month of Shvat is a promise of the wisdom of now. I'm not yet in the promised land, Moses says, but I have wisdom to give you. I'm not yet there. But if you can't hear the teachings I'm giving you on this day, this rising sap, then you won't make it into the promised land, says Beit Shammai and Moshe Abenu. The Torah of the beginnings, the Torah of our natural rhythm, Beit Shammai says, celebrate the return of your natural rhythm. That's what the sap is. You had a whole winter. You were lost. And here's the sap. Somebody asked me this week David, what's at the core of Ramamu, in your humble opinion? What are the values that Ramamu stands for, sits for, runs for? What is this thing called Ramamu? What's the shul all about? What's the shul all about? So I closed my eyes for a second, and I thought, and this is what came to me. Try it on. You don't have to agree. There's one fundamental assertion that I am making and that other rabbis like me, I think, are making and other leaders around the spiritual world are making. When the heart is open, we can listen. When the heart is open, we can know. When the heart is open we can see. When the heart heart is open, we can love. When the heart is open, we can sit with. When the heart is open, we can stand and understand. When the heart is opened, the mind can open. And when the mind can open, oh, what a world it could be. When the heart is open, when the softness that is your natural state when the true rhythm that is your true, deep presence, when those rhythms return, that's a celebration. So, shana to each and every one of you. I wish you a good gebenzior, meaning I wish you a year where it isn't just the blossoms on the tree that get you going. It isn't just the prize at the end of the rainbow, but the sap rising in you that says, After a long, dark winter, promises are about to be kept. There is life. Amen.